Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. That's right, it is. And wait till you see the guest I've got today. It'll be incredible because he'll compete with me for speed. Hey, are you joined the I Work For Him Nation yet? Have you taken time to go out to iWorkForHim.com and to click on the I Work For Him Nation flag? Have you made that commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day? You hear me say that, and I know there's thousands of people around the country that have made that commitment But tell me, let me know. It's a great encouragement to me on the air every day. People that contact me, I've I've gotten contacted from all over the world, people joining the nation, but it really is encouraging. And if you join the nation, you will get a personalized response from me. I will reach back out to you. I love hearing from our listeners. Take some time today. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. That's iWork, the number four, Him.com. And click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag. Romans 12, 2 talks about the paradigm shift it takes in order for you and me to be Jesus in our workplaces. A lot of us have grown up thinking, well, we got to separate our workplace from our faith place. But that's not true. Jesus didn't say, hey, I just want to be the Lord of your off hours life. No, I want to be the Lord of all of your life. And so Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. There are very few people in the United States of America that can speak to who I was right very early on in my faith and have walked alongside of me all these years. There's only one or two other people in the United States of America who have been a business partner with me. And there is only one person in the United States of America named Mark Pearson, who's been my friend, president and CEO of Nepsis Capital. Mark Pearson, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. Are you? Are you sure? Uh, will a lightning strike me? <laughs> yes, 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 lightning will strike you. Or I'll just tell Ace to shut your mic off again. I notice you've got me surrounded by metal here. I do. There's the electrodes in the back of the chair that you can't see. Mark Pearson and I have been friends since I was 15. He was 16. We met in youth group way back when in Bloomington, Minnesota. He was good friends with another friend of mine who you're going to get to meet on tomorrow's show. This is the big weekend. Uh, several of us from our youth group growing up are, uh, well, we're, we all are turning half a century and we are going to spend the weekend together. Uh, we really haven't been to, I, I'm thinking the last time the five of us were together in one room, it's gotta be before I moved to Florida. Uh, probably, uh, I would say that's probably true. 
Yeah, it's been. I can't. I can't think of it when it was. It's been a long I'm time. I'm older than you, though, so I can't. I can't remember things as well. Yeah, that's right. You are much older. Seriously, easy. 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 Well, it's like a year and fourteen days or something like that. It's three hours and twenty-seven. minutes. I don't minutes. know about the hours, but a year and fourteen days, I am absolutely <laughs> sure of. All right, Mark. So as we go through the show today, really just want to—I want to really pick your brain as to where the Lord is led you and how He's led you. But I always start off this conversation with any guest with this question: How is Christ making a difference in your life today? <laughs> well, uh, Christ makes a difference in your life every day. You just have to be alert enough to look for it, right, and wait for it. Uh, how is He having impact in my life today? Well. Uh, I don't mean to be morbid, but if I died today, I would say I couldn't imagine my life being any better. God has blessed me beyond any any recognizable uh, measure that I would have ever thought, expected, hoped for, wanted, needed. Look at it anyway. I, I am way, way swung way after the bell on this one. Well, and as you and Julie celebrate 29 years next month, it's you married way up. You know, most of us marry up. You married like mountaintop up compared to you. I've heard that before. Yes, I know you have. I'm sure you. And, and many people say the same thing to me about Martha. And most people have now heard Martha on the radio with me, and they go, "Yep, that's true." Wait, how did that even happen? Yes. So, talk to me about 29 years of marriage. How did you do it? How did you? How have you kept happily married 29 years? Well, my situation's a little bit unique in that when I moved to Bloomington, Minnesota, where we met, uh, I had moved from Chicago, and uh, I was in 10th grade, went to a new church, and uh, sat in the pew, and the youth group was singing up in front of the church, and I saw her singing, and uh, this was the first time I went to the church. I looked at her, and I said, that's the girl I'm going to marry, and the rest is history. She went screaming in the other direction. Well, uh, she was still dating uh, some other guy, wasn't hopefully, she? Well, hopefully she's she, well, at the time she was. Yeah. But, you know, look, hopefully she's not listening to the show because I'll be grounded. Uh, which <laughs> You're gone not all weekend uncommon, anyway. Not, not an uncommon occurrence for me. But uh, she did happen to dump me twice while we were dating. I remember some of those I days. I told her three strikes and you're out, baby. You better get your act together. Yeah, that's right. That's just what you said to her. You, I remember some of those days. I remember the first time I met Julie. I think we were almost 18 by that point in time. Because it was like, I think, because after you started dating her after you were 18, you never broke up again. Correct. And, and I remember meeting her and I'm like, how? 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 Does she really know him? I mean, seriously. Well, I was sweet and lovable, cute and adorable. You still are sweet, lovable, <laughs> cute and adorable. And and many girls thought so when you were in high school. Because you True. sung, you see, you played a piano, you know, you're yeah, you were just the life of the party. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard to compete with you. That's a good thing I couldn't sing or play the piano, so nobody was looking for me on the same stage as you, so it was good. All right, you're being so way too kind. I, uh, no, I'm, I'm being truthful. I think very highly of you. Thank there, you. There are, like I said, there is a less than a handful of people in the world that I've been business partners with, and you're one of them. Thank you. So you know, I'm, I'm pretty particular. And you can't blame me about that other business deal. That's not my fault. <laughs> We're talking today with Mark Pearson, president and CEO of Nepsis Capital. You go, I recognize that name, but I'm not sure why. He sponsors has sponsored the show since the beginning, and he sponsors like the, this half hour. His audience isn't necessarily, well, I want to say it. He's just, it wasn't about the advertising, it was about supporting the show. And we're so grateful that he's here to share his testimony. And Mark is a longtime friend of mine. We've known each other 35 years. We met when we were in nursery together. <laughs> 
Right. I don't know. We were a little older. We might have we been were maybe older. five or six. Yeah, we might have been. Some argue we're still in nursery. I don't know, fifty. Well, we act like yes. three year olds. My I still have, I recognize my inner three. I don't know if you actually recognize your inner three. Does your inner three ever come out? I don't know what that means. Yes, you do. <laughs> I tell people that and you're like, what do you mean? I'm like, seriously, my inner three. It comes out. <laughs> And, it, and you don't even need to know. I mean, it just comes out. Generally, people know me to be very laid back. Mm-hmm. Laid back. Soft-spoken. Soft-spoken. Yeah. Like a donkey with his tail on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Touche. Oh, yeah. No, people don't ever think of it. I mean, they listen to me on the radio every day. They know. People go, like, are you really the same guy on the radio as you are or off the radio? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. There's. I don't have pretense. Never, have I ever... Had any pretense? I would say probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. That's been part of the problems every once in a while. I probably should have had a little bit of pretense. You've Might been, have been better. You've been intense. Intense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still am a little intense. All right. So here's a question for you. Yes. As an image bearer of God, how does your work reflect some aspect of God's work? Well, I think uh, God makes investments in us we're investments i mean he loves us he continually walks by our side he wants us to rely on him he wants uh and and despite the fact that we sin uh he continually forgives and continues to quote unquote work with us to bring us closer to him and in the work environment my hope is that people see that uh uh I respect them. Uh, I work with them. I want to grow a relationship with them. I think in our office, we very much operate like a family. Uh, And so uh, there are uh, times where it's important for me to do things and say things as part of the family, with the family. Uh, And, you know, we have a little bit different office. Most of the people in my firm know that I'm a believer uh, most of the people, I think everyone in the firm knows the story of Nepsis, knows my background. I've been very fortunate. I have my wife who works there. I have my two oldest children work there. I have a friend that I've known since 1986 work there. I have another friend I've known since 1992 that works there. Uh, I have uh, I have a lot of people that I've known a long time that work with me, which obviously to me is very humbling. Uh, you know, certainly that people would want to take the time to work with me who have known me inside and outside the office. And I think they would tell you I treat them and act the same outside the office as I do inside the office. So your work, how does your work give you a unique vantage point into the brokenness of the world? How do you, how do you, I mean, you've got a unique vantage point. You've been, you've been chasing the investment market since we were in college. Right, right. How, but you've seen, so you've seen a lot of change in the 30 years. Oh yeah, without question. Well, I, we actually just talked about this at lunch, obviously. I think sometimes Christians are the worst investors out there. Uh, One of the, you know, in my, in my life and my beliefs of what I'm doing, my business 100% belongs to God. Uh, I'm just the manager of the business. Now, lots of people say that, lots of people believe that and do that, but uh, at the end of the day, I really do believe that this business belongs to God, and I have been, uh, I've been called to be the manager. And in my own journey of where God's brought me to, from point A to point B, uh, Nepsis, of course, as you know, means ultimate clarity. 
And I believe we're all on a journey to ultimate clarity and which is will not be obtained until we're sitting at the right foot, right hand of God in heaven. But we're all on a journey. We're all at different points in the journey to get there. And when I look at lots of Christians out there and they're investing, they are uh, the most nervous. Uh, They seem to be the most untrusting about the money and the world we live in much more now than ever before. It's great. It's a very, why do you think that is? Uh, well, the simplest answer to that is that we're not putting hundred percent of our faith in God at the end of the day. That's boil. That, that's what it boils down to. Uh, are there ancillary factors that bring you to that point? Sure. Your friends, the media, uh, you know, you turn on the TV, everything's negative about investing. And of course we just <laughs> everything's came- negative about everything on TV. True. But you know, we just came out of a financial crisis, you know, what has it been now? Eight years ago. And people are still really uh, in Florida. From it's only been a couple of years, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. Gotcha. Good, good point. But you know, people in Florida obviously felt that, and a lot of people felt that. And I, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. But when you have a world that doesn't rely on God to uh, to guide them and to be their leader, uh, you put your hope in the world. You put your hope in the material things. And at the end of the day, those material things don't matter. You can't take them with you. And I think that when you see the negativity continuing to grow, uh, I think people are getting older. Baby boomers are getting older. So they become a little bit more nervous. Uh, they become a little bit wiser than they were when they were younger. And I think there's a, there's a, a host of different things that happen both behaviorally as well as what is happening in the world around us that converge together to bring people where they're at right now. It's it is an intense world, and and like I said, I just we got rid of cable because I got tired of hearing all the negative. When I want to watch something, I watch what I want to watch. Yeah, I get tired of the and this person killed this person and this the disaster. Nobody ever tells any of the positive news, and there's all kinds of fantastic stuff going on in the world every day, but you never hear about that on TV. It's the same with the investment world. You hear all the negativity about investing. We're going to have an eighty percent crash. We're going to have a thirty thirty percent chance of a recession. The market's going to have another Black Monday. We're going to have this recession, this crash, this correction, blah, 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 blah. And everybody talks about it all the time, but nobody ever gives the solutions to that. And the interesting thing is, as far as I can remember, in my 40 short years on Earth... (laughs) (laughs) Where's the cough button? It's a cough button. Ouch. Uh, You know, economies continue to grow. People's need to eat. People need to sleep. People need to go to the doctor. People need to get gasoline. People need to do lots of different things. And the economy is not going to die. But uh, people are doom and gloom. And this this gets in much more in a conversation about the behavioral aspects of investing. Well, let's not do that today. No. That's just too much. Hey, why, too much. why did gas go up 30 cents on Thursday, or on Tuesday this week? What, what caused the markets to jump 30 cents? In did, one day? In one day. Did it really? 30, 30 it, cents. It didn't here. in Minnesota. Well, it's because stuff's frozen up there. Well... <laughs> You said you got on the plane today. It was 40 degrees. People here don't even know what 40 is. Our refrigerators are barely 40 degrees. Yeah, it was raining too, a ton. All right. So, I don't, this is part of your story that I don't know. It, you know, when, because when we met, we met at church, you'd already been a believer for a while. Yes. How did, who led you to Christ? My Sunday school teacher in fourth grade, her name was Dina Fisher. She was an older lady. And, uh, this on the south side of Chicago? North side. North side. I was a North side. I'm a Cubs fan. Let's go, Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got Ben Zobrist. Everybody in Tampa Bay loves Ben Zobrist. He may he may actually be able to help the Cubs win a World Series. 
This could be the year. We may have a good manager that comes from this area, too. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's got some dark glasses. That guy, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's all the good people from Tampa Bay. This small market team is going to help the Cubs actually win a World Series. Hey, let's let's look. It's the Cubs time. And listen, if the Cubs win the World Series, nobody should be negative about anything anymore, period. If the Cubs win the World Series, it is quite possibly the end of the world. (laughs) No chance. Anyway, so Dina Fisher was my Sunday school teacher. And uh, she gave me my first Bible. Uh, I was baptized uh, in the church by my pastor. And, uh, of course, at fourth grade, uh, you know, I remember the experience. But, of course, you don't know as much as you know now at 50 when you're, well, how old are you in fourth grade? Is that 10? Eight or nine. Okay. Yeah, so I was young. Yeah, eight. I was eight. Nine. I was nine. Whatever. Numbers run together now. Yeah. Well, you're pretty old. Usually, usually, Half a century is usually I'm pretty good with numbers. <laughs> That's all your investors are listening today going, honey, we need to move the portfolio. Yeah, I'm usually pretty good right, with So numbers. you were starting to say, you know, when you're young, you, you remember the experience, but. Well, I think, again, we are all in different phases of our lives. God has made each one of us uniquely different. Uh, yet uniquely the same in that he, we all crave, we all do crave for God and a relationship with Him. Uh, and so, when you're eight or nine years old, your perspective on life, your journey, your experiences are very different than when you are fifty. Absolutely. And so we call that the journey. Hi, we're talking today with Nepsis Capital's President and CEO, Mark Pearson, flew down here from the frozen tundra to join me for the weekend. So Mark and I are just kind of talking about our lives, and, and we, he, if you just missed his explanation of, uh, of he was talking about Christian investors, and, and I love that perspective because I've seen it. As Christ followers, nothing that we have really matters because it's all God's, and and. It, we're supposed to be entrusting it in his hands, yet most of us grab onto it with our hands so hard and we're like, I don't want to let go, I don't want to let go, I don't want to let go. Hmm. Well, when, you, when you plug up the pipeline, it backs up and stops flowing. And the Lord has designed, he gives us more money, not to increase our status of living, but to increase our status of giving. And uh, that's, a big, that's a big response to it. But a lot of people are like, well, they're investing, and they get all paranoid. We got to remember, like just like we said on yesterday's show, it doesn't matter who gets elected president; God is still on the throne. All right, so your parents got divorced. You moved from the north side of Chicago, where there's no good songs about the north side of Chicago, and you moved to the frozen tundra. <laughs> and then you know we met. Okay? Yes. So when I met you, right as you when we met, you were still living with your folks, and then they made you homeless. They moved to Nebraska. Said, "Mark, here you go. This looks like a nice place. We're going." And yeah, we'll they, leave you here. Yeah, they couldn't wait to get rid of me. You know, generally when you graduate high school, you go off to college and you can't wait to leave your folks. They didn't give me a chance to leave. They took off on me. <laughs> they left them a note and said, hey, it's no wonder we're I have gone. low self-esteem. Bill and Peg, if you're listening today, we love you, but it is part of the story. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you, you know, but your parents moved to Nebraska, left in Minneapolis. Yes. But you never, you never wavered. You went, you went to the University of Minnesota. And, and I remember sitting in the car. I just would love to, if I could just put a date to it, but I can't. You're sitting in my passenger seat and we're driving somewhere. And you just said, you looked at me, he goes, I'm going to be a millionaire someday. <laughs> I did? Yes, you did. More than <laughs> once. And I'm like, okay, if that's what God wants you to do. But really? No, I'm going to be a millionaire. What? How did you, I mean, I know you were always, you were always, entranced with the markets when we were in high school and college you're always thinking about it right but 
how did you know that you'd be one of those people that God would say, okay, I'm going to trust you with a lot. By the way, there comes a lot of strings with this because it is really a big responsibility. But do you remember, do you remember that vision that you cast back then? It was probably, uh, it was probably a couple things. I mean, when I was younger, I had a, a general idea that I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to do my own thing. Uh, uh, I actually originally wanted to be a Christian musician, and uh, and he could sing Christian, and play the piano. Being a Christian band, uh, but you, you were I, in a Christian I, band. I, yes, I was. Did you ever get paid for a gig? Oh yeah, yeah. We actually right before I left the last band I was in it was called the New Saint Band. Uh, I decided to leave the band to to go full time finishing college. I wanted to be a musician and not finish college. But I decided I was in a group, and uh, God had been leading me to, you know, I want, I got bigger things for you than playing music. <laughs> Julie said, "Get a job." <laughs> and and I, 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 I actually, you know, I, I, looking at it in hindsight, obviously God was in control, God had the plan, and I was obedient. I could have easily kept playing music because right before I left, we had just uh, been asked to warm up for a Carrie Livgren's AD band. Oh, man. I never and, saw them in concert. I would love to have seen them in concert. Yeah, and we were supposed to warm up for Striper. That would that wouldn't have been much of my choice. I loved Kerry Livgren. Kerry Livgren was the lead singer from Kansas, and when he came to Christ, he started his own own group and brought along some guys with him into the band. But right. Striper Striper was a little rough for me. We we we, we yeah, I was it, it was uh, Resurrection it was Band great. was rough for me. Striper yeah. was way off the it, charts. It was it was awesome. But long story longer, people are going who? Yeah, look I've it up always, on the I've always had a set. You know, the interesting thing at that point it was really I want maybe in high school. I think that's a function of immaturity. Saying I want no. to be a millionaire. When you said what you said to me, I, I was, believed it. Oh no, I mean it was it was it was like nope, I'm going to be a millionaire. It was it was not something you were just you know you were always blowing smoke. I understand. <laughs> You're always pontific. You're always bragging. I mean, you've been braggadocious all your life. Okay, but I that wasn't what I was, no, it was no, not you. But it was it was something that you meant. How did you know that God had it in your destiny to be responsible for riches? Uh, I I don't know. It it, it it maybe I was just born with it. I think that uh, it, it's it's been an interesting journey. I've got I've had some I've got some great stories about the experience of getting to the point I'm at now. Even and of course in all these stories you always hear about the time when you get taken to your knees because God's saying, you know, I have great things for you and you are not listening. You are not obeying. You're not doing what I'm telling you to do. And uh for me it started with uh it started with tithing. And uh I always I've always tithed, but tithing was not a forefront for me, it was kind of a secondary thought. It was, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I grew up, my parents always tithed. I need to tithe because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. And there's not a feel for it. Uh, there's nothing I love more than being in a situation like I was in your case, where I was working out, I was exercising. And I don't know, you 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 know, you came to mind and God basically said, I want you to give tie work to him, for him. And I'm, okay. How much am I supposed to give? Let me pray about it. And it was very clear. He said, I want you to do this. And I said, okay. And I called you. You and, did. Uh, Brought me to tears. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, so th- to get to that point from where I was originally w- was quite a journey. I would say that the reason I, I, I called it a millionaire at that time, maybe the better phrase was said would have been, uh, I'm going to be financially successful. And because it was because I believed in myself. 
And it was because I believe God had been stirring in my brain, if you will, a, a mentality, a uh, process, uh, many of the things that I use today in the way I do and think through things. Uh, you know, at that age, it, there was probably more, but I don't remember it. I remember more of the recent things. No, I but, get that. I get but, that. So uh, what about, so when you were starting to date Julie, did she know of your aspirations or was she just so impressed with your station wagon that she said, I want to date this guy. He's got a family truckster. She was a little irritated when I got rid of the light blue, baby blue, Robin's egg, Volkswagen Beetle with the crank roof. She was really disappointed in that. Uh, you know, I have a tremendous wife. I don't and know that I ever saw the Volkswagen Beetle. I only remember you, you driving it. this. It's just a long time ago. You see it. <laughs> I had it. I remember uh, the station wagon. I'll tell you one of the reasons, in all honesty, why I'm able, why I have the success. And I, and I haven't even be, you know, success, first of all, financially is all relative because it belongs to God anyways. So it's all relative. The success I've had about having three children who are believers, uh, having my children be healthy, growing up in an environment that's Christian and supportive to my family, uh, growing up with great friends like yourself and others, those are far more important than the idea of how much, quote-unquote, money do I have. And by the way, there will always be someone who has more money than me. So it's, well, and, and, Donald it's not, Trump's got $9 billion. Yeah, Everybody knows that. Money, and, and the money belongs to God. So who cares? It's just another tool in the tool bag is what I always say. That's right. And and so uh, as Julie and I dated, one of the benefits, one of the reasons why I think I have the success I do now uh, is not necessarily because of me, but more the fact that Julie can care less about anything that we have. I mean, I, I, to, I asked her a couple of weeks ago if I could buy her something, a specific thing. And she said, no, I don't need that. And I said, of course you don't need it, honey. It's a gift I want to give to you. I no, I I, I won't wear it. I don't want it. And I'm like, so gifts aren't her love language. What is no, her love language? Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate is not a love language. That's what she tells me. Chocolate. chocolate. Is, chocolate. She likes treats. She likes. You know, if you know my wife, she's, she's very skinny thin. as a rail. Yeah, she's thin. She Feeds she loves them. chocolate. <laughs> she loves chocolate, and she like she likes it when I do chores around the house. I think. So how how was it walking your little girl down the oh, aisle? Oh man. Yeah. Well, when you talk about money, money is, you know, your legacy is what is most important. What legacy do you leave? And uh, I get very sheepish around people who constantly talk to me about the fact we had people over this weekend and that uh, we, we are giving and uh, we want to help and we do things. Uh, but I don't generally like people to know when I do stuff, when I do give. So how did that and, go for this conversation? You're walking your daughter down no, the aisle. So I'm going to tell you. So uh, long story longer, uh, they were talking about the family and how great of a family we have. And I said, you know, when I when we got married, when my daughter got married, that was the pinnacle. That that's what it's all about. Seeing your friends come out, your family come out, support you, congratulate you. Uh, it was very surreal. It was very exciting. It was very sad. And it was awesome. Did you ball like a baby? No. Yeah, you did, <laughs> big fat. Like you're not allowed to lie on the radio. <laughs> hey, Mark. You know, in '94, we both moved into the same neighborhood. You had to build the house just like mine, but bigger. <laughs> just so you know, we've been in competition really, literally, all of our lives. Although he I had was, a bigger family. I had a two. Yes, you did. No, not anymore. I had to adopt in order to match up. But anyway, so, uh, so you're. 
you, we moved in the neighborhood. You started Anchor Financial Services. I started Anchor Agency South, and we, well, we partnered in Anchor Auto Network. Yes. Yes, we did. That was fun, wasn't it? Yes, it, I, I miss it all the time. Martha says, I don't care if I ever sell another car my entire life. I love cars. I sold a car on Monday. I helped, nice. I helped our church liquidate a car. I love, love that. I'd sell cars every day. Car, selling cars is great. I know. You just like to buy cars. You don't like to sell cars. Well, not anymore. I like to keep them. Mark had an affinity for Mazda 626s. Kind of like an addiction. Uh, it's kind of like me with Mountain Dew, only Mark did it with Mazda 626s. It's because they were profitable sales. He... he had yes i'm glad <laughs> mazda 626s uh, that would yes it just it left me speechless how, how many of those did you sell do you oh have any gosh. idea i don't remember a lot a lot of but them. i'll tell you I, I remember uh i remember getting the drive cars for free thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread and uh and they were reliable they were easy to take care of and when you sold them, they were a profitable business venture. We, I got great, you know, I'm all about focus. Uh, one of the dangers I could have had was uh, squirrel and going 5,000 directions. Focus is key. I focused on, got, knew what I was selling. It was, it, yes, he did that and I sold everything else. So it was, it was fun. And we did that and really it drove business to the insurance agency and to the financial service business. How many people did you sell cars to that you got as clients? Boy, I don't remember now, but surprisingly, quite a few. Well, I know a few because quite, a few of them became then my clients. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe seven, eight, probably. Yeah. What I think is hilarious, you still have a lot of my former insurance clients as your clients. Yes. I, I just think I, I miss it every day. Yeah. Just just so you know, I miss it every day. Yeah. But what attracted you to financial services? Like I said, you're always you're always talking about the stock market when we're growing up and like, really? If we had just had money, just think about it. If we had just had a thousand dollars when we were in high school and bought Apple. <laughs> yeah. And held it until today. The problem would, is you wouldn't have. I know. When, when it went to a hundred and back to two cents, you would have been all out yeah. even done with it. <laughs> I might have been. What, what about Microsoft stock? Yes. Oh boy. Yes. Anyway. Well, what attracted me to the markets, if you if you will, was I've always had a fascination with business. I've had a fascination with ideas, with brands, with uh, impact of brands. Uh, I've always been a competitor. I'm a competitive person. And uh, I've always liked the idea of investing in businesses because, as God has revealed to me, the greatest path to wealth creation and sustaining of wealth is being a business owner, is owning a business or businesses, and then continually investing in those businesses. And I felt that I loved, I loved it. I tried to do a hostile takeover of a company in 1996, went out to Wall Street, uh, it was a great experience. I just loved it. It was uh, it was art. It was science. Uh, it was math. It was all the things you did, you know you learn in school. It was awesome. It's just my passion. Well, and as you started to see success, you gained a reputation for excellence in your industry, and then you and you really displayed an uncanny ability to evaluate success and failure of publicly traded companies. How much of that success do you attribute to really listening to the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> helping you, you know, do your investing? That's a great question. Uh, I, I do pray uh, very often, probably darn near daily, about the decisions I make for the businesses that we want to own for our clients. And every investment is a success because my focus is on God, 
My focus is on multiplying the money for kingdom purposes, and it doesn't mean every investment's a winner. And you know, your your, your people who would not be Christians would say, "Well, what? How good is God if He gave you this stock to buy and it went down fifty percent?" Folks, there are no failures. There's only learning experiences. And when you are in process of making those decisions, you look at multiple facets. I've had people tell me that quite often. Jim, I have no idea what it is that I, uh, the knack, if you will, of looking at businesses, making the decision to invest in some businesses and not invest in others. Well, you I said you said one of your spiritual gifts is discernment. Yeah, discernment. And, and you've always been able to do it. You, I remember you teaching me about PE ratios when we were in our early 20s. I know, isn't that awesome? It, it was awesome. And I'm like, well, this one's traded at a 16 to 1, and this one's traded at a 14 to 1, and this one's yeah. 12. You ought to do that. I mean, this is, yeah. you, you could buy it at a 12 to 1, but it really should be traded at 22 to 1. It was like, this is what... <laughs> Yeah, isn't it well, awesome? Let me just give you my money and just forget about it. Okay, Mark, you chose Anchor as, well, really, you liked what I, I told you when I when I picked Anchor. You go like, where'd you come up with that? I'm like, well, it's the symbol of the original Christian church. And so that's what you start. But then you move to Nepsis, which you said earlier meant ultimate clarity. Yes. But, but why the switch? Because Anchor was cool. Uh, okay, so real quick, it's a great story because this is all God. Uh, one day I got a phone call from somebody wanting to invest in my mutual funds from Anchor. We don't have mutual funds, of course. Uh, and then an hour later, I got a letter in the mail from Anchor Bank in Minneapolis telling me I needed to change my name. <laughs> so I get a call from someone who isn't in my business, uh, in my, he has the wrong anchor, and I get this letter from the bank. And I'm all mad about the letter at the bank. And we ha- I have a nice conversation with the owner, the, the CEO of a bank. And the long and the short of it was, as I got legal counsel, uh, they said, you know, you should probably change your name, not because you're going to lose uh, to the bank, but there it turns out there's an anchor capital management in California who has already trademarked the name. And so all this kind of stuff's coming together. And uh, we made the decision we had to change the name. So I was at home getting ready to go out to dinner with my family. And uh, I had come, I just made the decision the day before we're going to change the name. And my daughter has Wikipedia up on this computer screen and says, Hey, Dad, I pulled some Christian words up on uh, Wikipedia. You should take a look and see if there's any names in there you think you'd like for the company. So I was, we were getting ready to eat. So I was going very quickly. I was perusing. There was, I don't know how many words per page, there was a lot of them. And all of a sudden, and hard to describe, but as I'm going through it really quick with your eye, you know, like your speed reading, Nepsis literally popped out. It was like a flash hit me right in the head. And I'm like, whoa, I, that's it. I like that. What does that mean? And I clicked on it, and it, the, the definition was to be watchful, alert, and vigilant with a clear and sober mind against illusions and fear, thus having ultimate clarity. And I thought... God, what are you doing to me? This is this this is what we've been talking about in our business for years. This is exactly who we are. And this is, of course, right after the Bernie Madoff deal and all the people who lost money by uh, Ponzi schemes and the lack of transparency that, frankly, still pervades today in investing. And uh, the rest is history. That's a great story. And I remember you telling me all that. I'm like... Nepsis sounds too much like sepsis. Goes, no, 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 no. If I got a buck for every time I heard that one. <laughs> Remember, but God it is does good. have a sense uh, of humor. He does. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the two of us. <laughs> that's right. 35 years of friendship. That's that's hilarious. Yes. All right. So, you know, Jesus did this parable. 
You know, somebody came to Jesus and asked this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And then Jesus said, hey, what do you, what do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who's good, but the answer to your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which one? The man said. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not test, uh, testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But the young man heard this, went away very sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Eye of a needle or the needle, depending on which translation, than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Is this a warning from Jesus about money or is it something else? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh... I don't think it's necessarily about money. It certainly can be argued that it is. I think it's a lesson in obedience. Go and sell everything and follow me. Obedience is the key. Or was it that this guy really, money was an idol in his life? Correct. Well, that, that gets to the whole idea of obedience. And I was just thinking as you're reading that, we all have our weaknesses. There are all We all have things. I could say to you today... I could easily go sell everything I have as Jesus ordered this guy to do. In my heart, I could. Now, God knows my heart. I, I can tell you that, and I may be lying to you, but God's going to know my heart. You can live in my basement. But Thank you. But my heart does say that. It's just stuff. And uh, it's nice stuff, but I, I didn't have stuff before. I'm going to die without stuff. So what does stuff really mean? Stuff is nothing more than a tool utilized to further the kingdom if the tool is used properly. And uh, Jesus knew that this guy uh, wasn't ready to give up his stuff. And that means his money was before God. You cannot have that. Can't serve two masters. Start answering this question before the break. We'll finish it after the break. How do you keep money and possessions from becoming an idol in your life when you surround yourself. I mean, you're surrounded by millions of other people's money and of your own money every day. How do you, how are you keeping it from becoming a stranglehold on your own life? Easy answer. Uh, as I hear the music coming in, it's called the fear of God. It's called the fear of God because I know God will take it. Okay. So how are you keeping your heart? How are you keeping money and possessions from becoming an idol in your own heart as you handle the wealth of so many people? Because what at one time I didn't, and God brought me to my knees. It's the fear of God. That's number one. Number two, it's obedience. Uh, I want to be obedient to God's calling for my life. Number three, it's who you surround yourself with. Who are your friends? Who are your family? Obviously, when I want to buy my wife a gift, and she says, I don't need it, I don't want it, that uh, keeps the humility, it keeps the humbleness, and it keeps it away from focusing on the material things. I've got a great, I've got a wife who uh, is uh, rock solid. She's kind of cute too, but she's uh, she's not materialistic either. And so uh, that balance, that chemistry, along with first and foremost the obedience, uh, that's that's the secret sauce. All right. Now, I know, because I've been on the radio now three years, you got jealous. And so about about a month and a half ago, you went on the air 
five days a week on KYCR Minneapolis, another Salem Media Group station Correct. on 1440. They can hear you on, so people listening today can hear you on iHeartRadio. Just look up KYCR. Yes, KYCR 1440 in Minneapolis. And it is a Salem Media Group station, right? It is. Correct. All right, so it's all part of the team, so it's okay to talk about it. And you can go on Minneapolis. You're on every day at what time? 4 o'clock Central. So 5 o'clock five. 5 o'clock here in Tampa Bay. With that's, they can listen to you on iHeartRadio or put your podcast off your uh, off your website, too. Investmentsuccessforyou.com. Investmentsuccessforyou.com. Or if they go to Nepsis Capital, there's a link there yes, to Investment Success correct. For You. All right. All right. That's cool. All right. Uh, any final words? Oh, by the way, our whole, all of our friends will be in studio tomorrow. Not all of our friends. Well, really, all of my friends. Mark's got more than I do. Uh, we're all in studio together tomorrow. All of us grew up in youth group together. We, we are going to play Risk this weekend to celebrate our 50th birthdays. We are not. Yellow is my color. Mark always has blue, and yellow will prevail. <laughs> He never does. You know, I have won like once. I think I won the our our uh, on the night on my uh, bachelor party. My bachelor party. I won one time. That's because we let you win. All right, Mark Pearson with Nepsis Capital. Thank you so much. Thank you. As we come to the end of another iWorkForHim radio show, thanks for listening, and, and make sure you show support. I just go out to iWorkForHim.com. Make that commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name, make it tonight. So that tomorrow when you walk in the office, you walk in with a whole new paradigm shift in your minds. Because we need to understand, we need to recognize that there is an epic battle out there for, this, for the souls of our coworkers and employees. The enemy takes this battle extraordinarily seriously. The enemy knows that the people that you work with, if they hear about Jesus, if they see you living Jesus out in the workplace, they may be attracted to that. And so, the challenge to you is to just say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I don't really know how to do it, but I'm willing to go all in. Our Savior and our Lord will equip you with all of the armor battlement that you need. And as you heard Mark share today, you know, he's not perfect. He's just trying to be obedient. And really, that's all we're all trying to do. Just trying to be obedient. Because if we will do what the Lord says us says for us to do, we can't go wrong. And we've all got a calling. It doesn't matter what you do each and every day. We've all got a calling. It doesn't matter what you do. But it does matter that you follow your calling. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business. But ultimately, ultimately, I work for him. 